Yeah, there's it'd no, be like that. There's well, no good answer. Well, anyways, it's This Ain't a Scene. It's a podcast slash Twitch stream. I'm your co-host, Jackson, and we have our co-host, Rumble. And What's we up? also have Kyle, the vocalist, and maybe bassist of Chasing Airplanes. What's up? Maybe the bassist. You'll never know. That was a yeah. good one, Jackson. No, it wasn't. It was actually bad. <laughs> anyways so what's up with that so who's your bassist what's up with the bassist um okay so there's two answers to the bassist question and i'm i'm very sorry because i feel like i'm going to be very offensive with the answer about the bassist. so tread lightly you're talking i know to, i know you're talking the Pasco sexiest bassist right now <laughs> so it, it's also funny because uh the bassist from fit for a king posted this uh fuck the bassist uh, shirt on Instagram the other day. And I definitely reshared it on our, uh, our band Instagram. Um, but anyway, so we originally never set out to not have a bassist. There was a plan at a certain point to have a bassist, but we had, you know, the guitarist the drummer and me doing vocals and just never found the right bassist. And then we got used to just backtracking the bassist and just haven't stopped backtracking the basis. Now, if you've seen the music video we have for Final Moments, you'll see that there's a green basis in that video, which is kind of fucking weird. Uh, that happened because at the time, we were all sitting around going, hey, wouldn't it be cool? And we were having a conversation with the videographer about, wouldn't it be cool if we all like wore green suits and then we like CGI'd some stuff onto it? And I don't know why we thought that was a good idea, but there should have been an adult in the room that was like, no, <laughs> that's stupid. Uh, but instead, we were just going with it until the videographer sent me an example of what it would look like. It looked bad. And then we were like, OK, we all can't have green suits on. That's going to look ridiculous. But wouldn't it be funny if we just had a green bassist and then we'll like CGI him later? And again, there should have been an adult around <laughs> to say, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea. But we were all still pretty new to each other. And like nobody really knew each other very well at the time. And so no one wanted to be the douchebag that was going to be like, no, that's a stupid fucking idea. Don't do it. And um, so it happened. And now there's a green guy playing bass in a music video that we paid real money for. And uh, if you ask any other member of the band, it is my fault that this happened because I was supposed to be the adult that said, no, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be funny, though, like if you made Cliff Burton your bassist on, on the video, like CGI him into it. Do you mean like a head to toe green like. Or do you mean like a green suit suit? No, it was like it's like a like a green man suit. Oh, <laughs> dude, I got to check that out. <laughs> it's, it's not as exciting as you would think. No, I want to check it out because it sounds horrible. <laughs> it is terrible. It is as, it is as terrible as it sounds. I assure you. I, I can't wait. That's the first thing I'm doing after we're done with this. Let me know. Let me no. know how that goes for you. It's it's not a pretty thing. I promise. will do. Uh, Follow up so, question. Oh, if if sending the lead or sincerely yours ever finds itself playing a show with you. Uh, would you be okay with me getting into a green man suit and hopping on stage? Oh my gosh. So, uh, <laughs> you know, this is where I'm probably supposed to be the adult and say, no, you can't do that. Uh, but 
you can definitely get on stage and not even plug the bass in and just throw down. I am cool with that. 100%. All right, sounds good. I'll bust out my five string. I like it. Oh, I got five <laughs> string. You you can borrow. That's I true. I also have a five string that you can borrow if you need it. I have one, but we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Dual yeah. basic. I, was... I think I'm the only pop punk bassist, not just in this scene, but man, one of the few who who wields a five string. It's, what do you, it's not. It's what do you do normal. with the extra strings? Uh, play a low B note. Oh, okay. <laughs> Every once in a while, I like it. But yeah. I was, I was wondering. So for the for the backing bass, do you program it, or is the actual bass being played? Um. So we originally had played around with like me playing the bass and then just putting that in there. Um. But it is now entirely MIDI. Um, MIDI instruments are really awesome and I love them greatly. Uh, so we, the, the bass is all MIDI, but then we run it through parallax, uh, which is the neural DSP, uh, bass plugin. Uh, it just sounds fucking good, but, um, yeah, it's all artificial. I, I don't know. Am I supposed to say that? Should I be telling everyone that? Yes, we painstakingly track the bass because none of that happened. <laughs> MIDI instruments have come a long way. They really I mean, they, they they used to sound like garbage. Yes, hundred percent. Um, for suddenly we've been in the studio a little bit recently, and we recorded uh, one of our new tracks, and it has a very ska feel to it. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we should put some horns on this, but none of us know how to play any horns. <laughs> like the, the closest we got is Jonas could do a way convincing trumpet sound with his noise or trump, trumpet sound with his mouth rather. Um. So we just made it and it actually came out like surprisingly good. Yeah, I, you'd be surprised. Um, so I, I was actually playing around with some like uh, orchestral stuff and horns um, in the uh, DAW the other day. And Waves has this, uh, I don't know what the name of it is, but they have this um, plugin that is, uh, it takes the horn sound that you just have in a stock Logic plugin. Mm-hmm. And it EQs it to where it sounds just fucking massive. Like, it, it's oh, yeah. ridiculously huge. And it came out sounding really amazing, which was kind of surprising, because it was all very artificial and whatnot. But it's amazing kind of what you can do now, now with the technology. I'm, I'm a big believer in the utilization of the technology that's available to us. At this oh, point. yeah. Yeah, and I feel like... You know, there used to be the days of like these big bands bringing in orchestra to their recording sessions and shit. But like nowadays, like you have like Lorna Shore with their crazy orchestral shit. And I'm pretty sure it's all MIDI, but it sounds like really fucking insanely good. Like I think. Like, I don't know, I was um I was taking audio engineering class at FSW and and I got into like the MIDI instruments. So I'm like, man. Who even needs instruments? <laughs> I'm I'm waiting until they can just MIDI my voice into stuff. That's that's the next phase, and we'll just backtrack all the singing and screaming, and it's gonna be great. We're gonna sound amazing, though. <laughs> Looking forward to it. You're just gonna, You're gonna, gonna those... get on stage and just stand still, and the music's gonna be playing. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be the craziest thing. Everybody's gonna be like, "Wow, this is really good sound." What the fuck's that guy doing with the microphone? It'll be wonderful. I can't wait. It's it's gonna be like one of those rappers that's like the like the music is playing in the background. You're just going like yeah yeah it's let's like, go yeah yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And you're oh, gonna like yeah. say like one one every ten <laughs> words that are coming out. They're gonna be like, "Whoa, he sounds so good live." Yeah, can't wait. Looking forward to it. I don't understand why um, a lot of pop stars have like their vocal tracks in the background when they perform live. I feel like that kind of takes away from. Like I was watching this <laughs> clip of it came up on my TikTok of um, Taylor Swift at one of her recent concerts. And she was like yelling at a security guard and like you could still hear the vocals going. And I just I don't get it. So so I'm going to need you to not besmirch Taylor Swift. I don't I don't know if I can oh, stand no. for that, um, but they do all do that. But, you know, watch fucking mouth. Taylor Swift is a national treasure. I just want to let you know. I feel I, I think from what I've gathered, the reason is. Like, whenever you go to, like, a rock concert, you're kind of going for the music, like, the output, you know? But when you're going to a pop concert, you're kind of going for the show itself. You know, the theatrics, the dancing, the people in the background. So I just think you would get some extremely messy performances if Taylor was switching between her costumes and dancing and all kinds of shit without any backing shit because she'd be fucking out of breath like i'm pretty sure all of them do it just because they're not really singers they're more so performers and like half the reason people come to see it is like what they're doing like people come to see lizzo sing but they also come to see lizzo do lizzo shit you know yeah for sure no i'm not hating on taylor swift don't 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 worry I, I think um, I think my girlfriend would actually murder me. <laughs> oh, she should. <laughs> yeah, she's actually in the chat. And she says, I, "I think it's to Kyle's remark about don't besmirch Taylor Swift." She says, "Yo, this dude gets it." <laughs> me, me and my wife have an active disagreement about Taylor Swift because my wife doesn't actually like Taylor Swift. Um, and this was a this was nearly a fight at our house when her uh, newest album came out. And I was like, it's so good. You got to listen to it. It's really good. And my wife was like, I, I don't get what the whole thing is. And then, you know, I immediately had to kick her out of the house. You know, we can't do this anymore. This relationship no longer works. <laughs> I'm kidding. But it was, it was an active disagreement, and it's still an active disagreement in my house. I don't think she is bad by any stretch. And I think what she's done is incredibly impressive, and I'm happy for her success. Personally, I don't fully understand the hype. I think she's good, but I'm you know, I'm happy for her. Good for her. Okay, I can respect it. I can respect it. Like I could get into some Taylor Swift. Folklore was really good. I'll yeah. give her that. Folklore was a banger album. Uh, but a lot of it, just you know, it's not my thing. No, that's fair. Like I feel I like she, I feel like she's in the category of, and I don't want to. I don't want to get too blasphemous, but you know, it's <laughs> realistically. She's in the category of Elton John and Prince and all these superstars where she's kind of an icon to where her her legacy, her it's kind of hard to explain what I'm trying to get to. Like her status is almost as pro like her her prominence is almost as big as the music she's creating. Like, yeah, like she's a personality now. Yeah, like Taylor Swift concert isn't just a concert to people it's a big event like it's people's christmas for the year you know like yeah. it's 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 a big 
she's just massive in the culture, I think. Like, it's just her cultural significance is huge, and I think that's a big reason. Like, I think she is, like, the the best example of American pop stardom as it gets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. So it, it's funny you say that, because up until the most recent album, I was kind of ambivalent about Taylor Swift. But it was I had read that she when that album came out, that the top 10 songs on the Billboard Top 100 were all from that album. And yeah. I was like, OK, so this this has now transcended music to where now there's like a cultural thing that's occurring. I have to go listen to this album. And it was as I was like, I, I was driving down to Naples and just listened to the whole thing. And I was like, OK, I actually think I love this. And it sent me down this rabbit hole. But I think you're right. It has it. It's. She's a personality now. She's an icon now. It's not just about the the songs, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it, it it's like I I I'm not huge on her music, but I am a fan of her as a personality and as a person because she just seems like about as the coolest star that there is, you know. And you know, it's just. She's just really fun to be a fan of. I don't know. But, you know, anyways, we don't have to talk in circles about Taylor Swift forever. Um, <laughs> but we can. But we can. <laughs> we we can, Swift definitely. Episode. Jackson, um, can, we, can we text Taylor Swift manager, see if we can get her on the pod? Uh, I actually know her PR contact. I doubt she'd go for it, <laughs> but yeah. But I actually um, have her personal phone number. <laughs> There, there's actually a couple people in the metalcore world that want to be on the podcast. Oh yeah. So, uh, K- Kyle probably knows the singer of Royal Hearts, possibly. I do. We're playing a show with them uh, in June. Yeah. So, so we're going to have him on as well as the guy from Coma Waves, Todd Doherty. He's a big video guy in Florida. So, lots of op- exciting opportunities coming up. Hell yeah. Metalcore podcast. Let's fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this is not what my modern baseball front bottoms ass signed up for. <laughs> hey, if you stuck around past last episode, you're down for anything, brother. Well, Dude, um, last episode was a fever dream. <laughs> honestly, like, yeah. Anyway, um, so, uh, Kyle, you guys... You guys are actually, like, looking at your Spotify numbers, you guys are probably, like, one of the more successful local bands in terms of streaming numbers and people actually listening to your songs. Is there any significance or story behind that at all? Because you guys have, like, 7,000 monthly listeners, whereas a lot of the bands I listen to have, like, 200. Yeah, it it oscillates a lot, but the way I I kind of look at it as I have to always be selling the band um they always have to be selling the music and it's not just enough for us to write songs or release music that sounds good like you have to actively be be pushing it and even though a lot of the the songs that are on there are fairly old at this point i don't think that my job of selling the music has stopped like i have to continue doing it so i'm always looking for playlists to reach out to curators on and get it on um you know, we still run a few Instagram and Facebook ads from time to time, trying to get people to, you know, click on it and things of that nature. Um, fairly active on TikTok and 
Instagram, also trying to push it. So a lot of it is just I'm constantly trying to sell it. Um, unfortunate for us, I suppose, here in Tampa, um, most of our streams do not come from Tampa uh, oh, or yeah. Florida, for that matter. It's mostly um, like in the northeast or out west uh, is where a large portion of our streams come from. And then also, uh, I think the UK has our biggest audience base um, from Spotify's latest numbers. Well, I mean, that is pretty cool that it, I mean, like, I feel like as a musician, just people from other countries wanting to listen to your work has to be a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, I'm down for it. And, and we're going to work on that UK tour. I'm feeling really good about that one. One oh, yeah. day. It'd be great. Well, um, and I really like what, what you mentioned about marketing yourself, because that is something I see with a lot of unsigned bands I work with is like a week before an album. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of Rumble, too. Like a week before an album comes out, we'll be like, hey, by the way, guys, we have an album coming out. And then you hear nothing about that album besides the odd post or two about it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, guys, we have an album out. Is that we spent a lot of money are, on it, but who are you? Who are you attacking here? Which one, you which, and one Egan. I, which one of my bands are you attacking? <laughs> pretty much, I mean, since really yours hypes up their album pretty well, so mainly Sendali and of yeah, Manatees. Are so well, of Manatees, I'm not really trying to push that hard, yeah, that's just, yeah. That's just me goofing off. Sendali could have a little bit of a better social media presence, you're right. Uh, and that's on me and Egan, we both have to log into the Instagram. Everybody has the login. Well, now. yeah, everyone has the login to the Instagram, but Jonas and Mikey ain't gonna do shit. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of me and Egan. I mean, that wasn't just me talking shit. It's just I've seen a lot of bands that are kind of like, okay, you put money into like making this record. Like, why not do what you can to try to make it worthwhile? I mean, like to to a lot of people making just having the music out there is worthwhile, but really depends on your goals like i think if you're trying to grow and go places marketing your music whether it's old or new it's definitely a key part of it which is also sometimes why i get frustrated when i see bands that make really good music but they don't want to pay for a photographer i'm like dog your instagram ain't gonna grow if all you're doing is posting memes and and iphone <laughs> pictures and shit yeah but uh, yeah as far as men as men uh jesus christ as far as of men and manatees goes I, I that's just something I do on the side for for sillies. I mean, I've only played one show as a Men and Manatees. I do have one coming up next week though, which is pretty cool. But yeah, two weeks before that EP dropped, I was like, "Hey guys, I made an EP. Stay tuned." And then the day it dropped, I was like, "Hey, remember this? <laughs> it's it's on Bandcamp now." Well, it it is work. Like I mean, I'll tell you, it it is work. Like the the oh, yeah. is not fun. Like I don't. I wouldn't say I enjoy that whatsoever i don't i don't enjoy managing our instagram and social media um it but it's it's one of those things that's necessary i feel like yeah. so i told our um so our guitarist is mixing and mastering the record that we're working on right now and um he was like i hate so much trying to sell these things like i'm gonna put all this work into making the album and then then we got to go sell it and i was like look you make it sound as good as possible. That's your job here. It is now my job after it's done to go and sell it. And so it's one of those things that somebody's got to do it. 
and it's not always fun and it's not always pretty. And then there's going to be times where your monthly listeners drop off a cliff and you're like, Jesus, I thought I was doing all this work, but it's just kind of one of those necessary evils that I got to do. One of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And your photo Jackson have been very helpful actually. Um, Cause now I have just like a fucking portfolio of uh, <laughs> photos you've taken that I can throw on social media whenever I need to. Yeah, one thing that's really cool, um, I'm actually reviewing an album for that's pre-release right now of one of Florida's metalcore bands, and um, can't say who, what, where, when, but they also sent over like a promo package too for the graphic designers at my publication to use. I'm like, oh my god, this shit is like this Dropbox folder is like endless pictures of the band and endless pictures of materials they're using to, pr to promote it and endless, like, it's just tons of, like, materials and shit. I'm like, well, they, these guys know what they're doing when it comes to promoting. I'm so, I'm so curious now as to who this is. You'll find out in, like, two and a half weeks. Two and a half nice. weeks. Okay. But anyways, just, oh, sorry, Rumble. You're good. I just wish I was better at it. Like, I do need to be better about doing it. I just wish I knew how to be better at it. You know what I mean? Because I don't really know how to approach it. Yeah. So it's, um, it's interesting because um, so we, we've been working with um, Broken Hearts Management for the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. And uh, during my first conversation with Danny, who um, owns that company, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing on social media. Like, I do not know what the hell is going on whatsoever um and she was actually pretty helpful in being like just a couple of like quick things of always have instagram stories like regardless of what it is just you need to have something there because then the algorithm will have you at the top of a lot of your followers um you know post every two to three days make sure the posts are of a high quality which is where like jackson's photos come in you know really handy because i always know that i have some kind of high quality picture to put on Instagram. Um, mm. But it's, it's such a hit or miss. Cause I don't know what I'm doing either. Um, but she actually helped me quite a bit on that. Cause I was just nice. winging it before then. Yeah. I think a really big thing is being, is trying to stay active. Cause I kind of, I kind of know some of it because I, I am my own company. I am my own brand when it comes to selling my services. And it it can be a pain in the ass. But what I have noticed is if I become less active, then I'm also getting less people possibly seeing my work, less people like remember having me on their mind whenever they're they have a show coming up. Like even if it's just on my stories, I feel like being active really helps and also like you can do the thing where you only make like one post a week or whatever or one post every two weeks but the instagram algorithm and just algorithms in general are so random that if you put all of your eggs into the basket of i'm gonna post on thursday the 20 whatever and that's gonna be the post if it flops you're just fucked so yeah. like that's why i think it's a good thing to just steady consistent content and make it personal as well like when it comes to basically anything that's kind of mark marketing or journalistic having your own voice attached to it 
is really huge. I've learned. I mean, you, sure. you do a good job on social media, Jackson. Like I, you, you seem really active on it. Oh, I spend way too much time being annoying on the internet. Bro, every time I click on your story, it is like 20 <laughs> different things. And maybe and they're maybe all random. And, maybe and none of them are photo related. And like, yeah, it's it's mostly it's mostly like one will be, hey, guys, I just posted some photos. Another one will be support trans rights. Another one will be I like opossums. And the next one will be why am I so unlovable? And the next one will be, hey, guys, I posted more photos. <laughs> the Jackson method. <laughs> like, it's it's crazy, but it's it is fun, though, because I like I went from like a year ago having like. 20 followers now i have almost 800 and like i i started off with like none because none of my friends wanted anything to do with my shitty photography when i first started (laughs) but um but now i have like all these people who know me which is cool and uh sammy just said let's be real most of your stories are opossum related yeah which is true i love opossums i don't know what it is about them but like them screaming at everything just feels like my inner animal (laughs) That's me at raccoons. I fucking love raccoons, man. I, it's my dream to have a pet raccoon. Have either of you guys seen the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Yes, I no. have. No, damn it, no, I haven't. Okay, I'm not gonna spoil it, but no, like, ruin it for everybody right now. Yeah. Anyways, you fall in love with Rocket the raccoon, bro. Like, I used to like be ambivalent towards Rocket. But they really fleshed out his backstory oh, and yeah. made him adorable and lovable and just. It was really awesome. It made me tear up. And I talked to other people like, yeah, I was bawling the whole movie just because it just made you feel for the little guy. I'm going to find some illegal link to the movie. <laughs> I, Dude, I, I ain't paying for no fucking ticket. Nowadays, like, movies are on, like, Disney Plus or Prime, like, two weeks it's after so they're released immediate. in theaters. Well, I was going to say, yeah. give it, like, a month, it'll be on Disney Plus. Dude, yeah. like, and the crazy thing is, I remember... Like, when I was young, like, a movie would come out, and then maybe, like, nine months later, it would be on DVD. Yeah. And it's, it's basically, you better see in the theater, or you'll probably forget about it by the time it, by the time it gets to DVD. Kyle knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, Jackson, they were, they were, you're not that old. <laughs> they, were, they were VHSs back in my day, Jackson. Oh, yeah, mine too. But yeah. I, I was also not very rich. Yeah, you're, but... what, like, 21? You were two years older than me. I was like the last person I knew to like get a DVD player or get. I I still never owned a Blu-ray player. I I had a Blu-ray player once. It was it was an exciting time. I remember watching fucking like Cars two and Ultra HD, bro. Oh shit! So (laughs) I I I I don't mean to be all like you young kids or whatever, but I'm gonna tell you the greatest invention that has happened in media over the last 20 years has been the move away from like having to buy a DVD or Blu-ray or whatever and everything being digital. It is the most wonderful thing in the world. I love it. The greatest. Yes, I agree because most, most people aren't like me. Like to me, my time is extremely valuable to me. So like, like my mom will drive an extra 20 minutes to save a bit on gas by going to Sam's club. Whereas I'm like, Dog, a half an hour of extra of driving is worth like 
a million dollars to me. I'd rather just get gas on the corner. So, like, me not having to make a stop at Blockbuster on the way home from work to show my blockbuster <laughs> blockbuster had gone out of business before either of you were born what are you no even... i that i've is been not i i've been at blockbuster bro maybe maybe bro, they went bankrupt before then on friday nights at blockbuster but anyways like not having to stop at walmart or Redbox or shit like that like not having this and just like being like oh that movie looks cool click on it and it's fucking playing like that's the coolest shit ever I was about to get really awkward. I just had to plug my phone in. Now I have to hold it in a weird way. Hold on. I'm going to rotate my whole body just for this. There we go. All right. We're chilling. Oh, you can see my face now better. I should have done this in the start. Yeah I, yeah, I like your face. It's nice. Well, anyway, you mentioned you have a new album coming out a couple yep. times. So, um, and, and you've been playing one of those songs live. Which song is that? I haven't been been able to peek at the set list. Yeah, so the song we play is currently codenamed Red, um, but it is its real name will be Crimson Daydream whenever it comes out. Um, so the new, I don't even know if we've, yeah, we haven't even announced a lot of stuff about the new album yet. Um, we are in process of recording it right now. Um, we've recorded three of the eight songs. Um, everything's written. It's just a matter of finishing recording and what have you. Um, but hopefully we'll have uh, singles starting to release uh, towards the end of summer is kind of the current target date with the album coming out in the fall. Tentatively. No green man to go around. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I might, I might have to, I might have to help you out with a music video or something because I, I really want to get into that and I have lighting for it and stuff. Like, we wouldn't, it won't be one of your good singles, like maybe one of the filler tracks, and we just go from there, you know? But, um, anyways, I've actually also been curious about, like, how did the band get started? Like, because I know, I'm pretty sure, like, you and the guitarist are friends, but also you have Tyler, who's like my age, since I'm like a young kid. And also, really, child, at the same actually. time, yeah, I'm actually a child, but um, a toddler. But but how how did y'all find each other to make the gent, the the gent wave? Um, yeah. So chasing airplanes was originally a solo project for me for about two years, and um, then the luthier I was working with to like get some guitar work done, swap out some pickups or something like that, um was like, hey, there's this other guy that also listens, that I've been working with his guitars and listens to the same kind of music as you. You may want to just, you know, meet him. Um, and so I met the guy, and that guy's actually not in the band anymore. Um, he he left at the end of last year, but um, we got together and, you know, had pretty similar interests in music and stuff, and he was interested in writing some and, you know, just kind of seeing where it went. Uh, we put out an Instagram ad for both a, we actually, for a guitarist, bassist, and drummer. We had an ins- a, uh, a Craigslist ad for all three. Um, Jake, who is our current guitarist, responded to the, uh, the guitar one and you know, very graciously decided to, uh, to, to come on board, which was really good because he's really a big asset in a lot of the things that we do. And uh, Tyler... Uh, never responded to my Craigslist ad because he's a son of a bitch. 
but he was on one of these like musicians wanted the websites which i can't remember which one it was right now but anyway there's a picture of him with spencer chamberlain on his profile on this musicians wanted kind of website and so i messaged him he didn't respond for like three weeks and when he finally did he was like oh yeah i'd be interested and then the other three of us collectively were like how old is this guy he looks like he's like 13 is he even gonna be able to like get into places where we play shows uh, turns out he was like 23, so it was fine. Not the end of the world. I mean, he is, he's younger than the rest of us. Um, and then at the end of last year, the uh, original guitarist we had decided to uh, move on and kind of focus on his other band and um, some other stuff in life. And then I had known our other current guitarist uh, for a little bit before we asked him to come on board. And so anyway, the long story short, that's how we, we ended up And and when in those course of events did you just say fuck it we don't have a bassist? <laughs> uh, pretty early. <laughs> um, so we had all four of us set, and we were like, we would like to like play some stuff. You know, we we'd like to rec- we'd recorded the whole first EP that was coming out. We we're good. Could not find a bassist that was you know worth anything to save our lives. And we, at some point there before the very first show, we were just like, you know what? Fuck it. We don't need this bassist. We're just going to backtrack it. It's fine. And we've just kind of run with that. Nice. If it works, it works. I'm actually kind of curious on something with your musical progression. So um, the majority of your songs, they they kind of have the same atmosphere. But when I'm listening to your music, there's a song that comes up called To Begin and End that sounds quite a bit different. Yeah. Is this part of the Kyle Solo project? Because it kind of sounds like um, like the Bad Omen self-titled or to, um, There Is The Hell, Believe Me, I've Seen It. Like, kind of gives off that vibes, whereas the other ones kind of give off, you know, um, like I See Stars and that kind of vibe. Man, there was a lot of compliments in that question, so thank you for that. <laughs> I'm very happy. Um, to begin and end was the last song that I wrote and recorded and released on my own before everyone else came in. So there's definitely a clear uh, delineation in styles between that one and then when everyone else came in. Um, it's interesting because that song, very different than everything on the Gnosis EP. Gnosis, there, a lot of the songs, they're not terribly cohesive like different ones have different styles and it's kind of based on who originally wrote that song in the band this next album is very very cohesive as far as the styles go like there's definitely some differences um and some more synthy stuff going on but it, it it flows better so between those three kind of timelines it's very interesting to see how it was it's kind of progressed since that one but yeah that was the last one i did on my own uh when you were when you were a wee lad many many moons ago um have you always been in the middle or what was kind of like your your progression through you know finding music and uh being a musician yeah um so i was i was raised in very 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 religious home and was not allowed to listen to music with guitars and such. Like it was very, very restrictive. Even like Christian bands that had 
like guitars and stuff, my parents were very not okay with. Um, so for a long time, I was very unfamiliar with anything that wasn't just like praise and worship music. Um, we, there was at the point that uh, Lincoln Park's hybrid theory came out, uh, I had you know started driving at the time. Well, it's probably a little after that. But anyway, that's in the end was on the radio at the time and blew my fucking mind because had no concept of this sort of thing. And so then I had the typical like mid 2000s, like woo, new metal kind of thing. Um, but it was it was really under us. They're only chasing safety that pushed me more towards metal. Uh, when they released Reinventing Your Exit, that was the first song I'd heard that had like that kind of screaming in a large portion of the song. So it kind of sent me down this rabbit hole of, you know, what other music is like this and just kind of it, it, it flourished from there. But that that song and video very specifically was the thing that got me into heavier music. And it's not even a heavy song really at all, but it was definitely the gateway. Yeah. I, that, the, and I was wondering, like, um, so uh, kind of to add on to that, um, like I said, the musical progression, the first song wasn't really with the synth wave, didn't really have much of the synth wave. So did the other members kind of add that influence or is that something you kind of picked up over time? Yeah, so um, whenever uh, Jake joined the band, uh, we kind of found out that both of us liked a lot of Synthwave stuff. Uh, so I'm a big fan of the band The Midnight. I don't know if you guys listen to a lot of Synthy stuff, but The Midnight's amazing. You should listen to them immediately. Uh, but found out that Jake and I kind of shared that that common interest. And so you know, as songs started unfolding, you know, he was using a lot of it, and then in some of the songs that I had written for the um, EP, we were like, we could add more sense here. It would be great. And so it was really just kind of a shared interest that the two of us had that we found out about as we were writing that album. Yeah. Our next progression is going to be a country band. Everybody else is in denial about this, but that, that's going to be the next thing, going full country. You heard it. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Uh, you mentioned... Um the the religious upbringing and you also have a blog i believe that's kind of been about your journey uh do you want like what kind of inspired you kind of telling your story about um like your spiritual journey yeah um so what inspired me to start talking about it more is that i think i was i was raised with this notion that goodness was wrapped up in religious belief and that if you if you weren't if you didn't believe a certain way then you know you you were a bad person and um as i've gotten older and met a lot of people who don't didn't share that belief it, it kind of became a oh shit that's wrong that's not in fact the reality and that's not in fact truth because ultimately people from all different beliefs or lack of belief you know can still be good people and still be moral people. And I, I've always used music as kind of an outlet to talk about that. I started doing the blog, though, um, just because I had talked to several people about that particular story that's within that blog. And I think people had assumed that I was just like this angry, anti-religion person. 
who was just like, you know, fuck religion. And, you know, that's that. And that kind of inspired me to, to tell a little bit more of a nuanced version of that story. Um, just so people would see that it's people don't arrive at a lack of belief typically just flippantly. Like if you've been raised a certain way your entire life, it's really hard to no longer believe that way. And I think it's important that you know, people know that. And it's interesting because after I, I posted that, I had a lot of people from, you know, growing up who had grown up religious too, that reached out and were like, Hey, I had a similar experience. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad you posted that because, you know, I've, I felt the same way. I feared the same things. You know, I grew up, you know, really scared about the concept of going to hell and that, you know, really messed me up. And so it, it really, it renewed some relationships that I, you know, hadn't kind of fostered over the years, just in the connection that a lot of people had to that story. Yeah, I mean, I can I can definitely relate. I grew up in the Christian school pipeline, um, and the sun. I was a Sunday school teacher for a little bit, and you know all that, um, all that jazz. And I really do believe that it was possibly the birthplace of my anxiety, in addition to some other things, because just from the, just because I had. I people more stringent than others talking at sermons and stuff like if you do this if you do that you're going to hell so whenever I made like a common human mistake or did something that the bible says not to do or whatever I'd be like oh shit am I going to hell and I'd you know it's just and it is something that kind of sticks with you because even now I'll feel like a hint of guilt doing very normal human things even though I'm not, I don't know what I believe, but like, um, even now I feel a hint of guilt and I'm like, that's really fucked up though. Like just like religious people talk about grooming in a lot of ways about the LGBT community, but, um, what religious people do to children, the indoctrination is much worse, I believe, because it can really stick with you for life. And even if you don't stay on that path it can really stick with you oh Hi. big time yeah i i was i was raised the same way um i went to i went to youth group and stuff we were allowed to have guitars so that was cool in fact i i led the um the band at youth group for a while um and even though now i have incredibly diff like i know in my heart that like certain things that you know christianity for example says are bad i know that they aren't bad but even when i act upon some of those things whether it be like because you know um jackson knows i don't know if you know but i'm uh and i've had you know homoerotic encounters um and in my <laughs> quit laughing and um you know, deep down, I know that it's right. Like, it, there's nothing wrong with it. But I still, but I still like. There's like a guilty feeling to it, where like, ooh, I just did something wrong because it's so in, ingrained in uh, in who I am and how I grew up. So it's yeah, not fun. Yeah, not great. But it's nice no. to have people yeah, with yeah. similar experiences that you can talk to about. It. For sure, and you know, I think that it's it's important to note that I. 
especially within chasing airplanes, I think it's very in the metal world specifically, it is very in vogue, if you will, to just be like, fuck this, fuck that, fuck religion, you know, very like punk rock thing. Um, and whereas I definitely have very negative feelings about organized religion, which, you know, I'm, I'm fairly open about those feelings. I think that it's also important to not play into the stereotype that a lot of religious people have about the like angry atheists, right? And so that's why a lot of the stuff that you, you know you may hear me talk about on stage or you know within the songs is supposed to be a a progression of the fact that yes, I'm, I don't believe these things. Yes, I feel like organized religion is predatory, but ultimately I'm in a happier place because I no longer believe that and i no longer follow that ideology so i think that the deconversion story really is is one of hope more than anything else it's it's not mm. a it doesn't need to be a message of anger even though maybe i feel that way but it can be a message of it's okay to feel differently it's okay to not believe this it's okay to be different you know than how you were raised and you know you can find you know hope in that and you know that's that's one of the biggest things that I want people to kind of walk away from, you know, whenever they do listen to chasing airplanes. Yeah. And the kind of scary thing is that like within organized religion, like guilt is not a side effect. Guilt is, is the, is the component that keeps you coming back to church that keeps you donating to the church that keeps you this that or whatever like it's kind of it's kind of built upon guilt it's built upon regrets guilt upon self-hatred and that's kind of scary because like christianity for example if you follow the teachings of jesus christ as we've been able to tell what he potentially said like it's overall supposed to be a very peaceful and loving community but I just feel like organized religions have kind of bastardized that and t- turned it into things of hate and suffering and self-hatred and prejudice and just all the things that directly go against whatever this potential Jesus figure said. We've um we've talked about organized religion a few times on this podcast. Um, and every time we do, I think about wanting to say this, but there's never like an organic way to, for it to come up. So I'm just going to come out and say this. Fuck Joel Osteen. That oh, stupid yeah, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> I, I hate that guy. Uh, yeah, that, that is a very interesting, uh, very predatory um, aspect of the uh, organized religion is, is people like him, but they are very, very prominent. Oh, yeah. And I... My biggest problem with organized religion is I don't think religion is inherently bad in any way. I think that a lot of religions are, you know, great on paper. Uh, You know, a lot of them are just, here's some good ways to live your life. And that's great if you, if you want to, if you want to believe those things, but then you, you get into organized religion and it becomes, ugh, I, I hate the idea of religion being like a, like a corporation almost, you know, like a business. Oh, yeah. Like a machine for profit. It's, it's gross, and I, I hate it. I, I, I don't have anything wrong with anybody's religion in particular, but as soon as it gets into something like that, it's like, no, fuck off. 
Yeah, that's no, bad. I, no, I definitely agree. Yeah, I mean, who we are is the hand that we're given. And I think living in self-hate, whether you are a Christian, a Muslim, or um, Buddhist, Hindi, any of those, like living in self-hate with the one life that we may have just so we could possibly have a better next life is kind of is kind of a wasteful thing, which for some people it isn't, and I respect that, but I'm also a very big proponent of, like, if this is the only life I have, I don't want to live with regret or hate myself or anything like that, you know? Yeah, nor should you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, who, so, Kyle, kind of getting back to music a bit, um... Who are some of your influences that, like, you mentioned kind of Linkin Park and Under Oath, but, like, for example, like, with this new album, or is there any, is there anybody you've been listening to a lot lately in the writing process? Um, that's a really loaded question. I listen to a lot of stuff right now, right now. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I listened to a lot of, well, I haven't had my phone, but um, I really like the new Currents album. So shout out to the new Currents album. It is excellent. Um, but as far as influences go, you know, look, I think there's a, a strong move in a lot of the metalcore world right now to write like good songs and then using heaviness appropriately. It, you know, it's a very mainstream example, but, you know, Bad Omens, The Death of Peace of Mind is a, is a, like master class on how to do that. And so the whole notion of, you know, we have these songs that we're building to something heavy um, is really kind of what I'm into right now. I don't want, I don't like music that's just heavy for the sake of being heavy. I want music that has, that's well-written and then uses heaviness in an effective way. Cause if you have these songs, like I think of uh back when like immure was just like breakdown 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 another breakdown and then also another breakdown the breakdowns eventually are just like it's nothing it's it's just you know crowd killing and cool and live setting but not great from like an actual written musical standpoint so you know bands like bad omens or kingdom of giants are really influential you know era that sort of thing where I think they use their heaviness in an appropriate way, but then they also use, you know, melody in an appropriate way. Hell yeah. That's actually something I really appreciate about your band in particular, because I've seen you guys live a few times. Um, and a lot of the metal bands I see uh, in the DIY scene are just like heavy all the time. Yeah. And that, you know, it has its place, but it's certainly not my thing. I don't get into very heavy music often. Um, so it's nice to, you know, and I don't want to say like using it sparingly, but using it properly, you know, because yeah. like I, 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 um, I've gone to shows where metal bands come on and it's the same. The drummer's playing the same two blast beats <laughs> for, for every song and yeah. every song is in like drop k <laughs> it's just chugging the whole time and it's after like a song and a half i'm exhausted i'm just like get, shut up get off yeah. the stage this is boring yeah so there's um so we played uh we played with woe is me um last weekend 
And um, it was very interesting because, uh, you know, it's a show of, you know, there was a metal band before us. Woe is me is, you know, playing metalcore. And the start of the show is actually me singing. And then there comes a breakdown after it. And you can just see, like, in people's faces, there's an impact from going from, you know, melodic, there's a natural build, okay, heavy, and then, you know, back to melodic because it, it creates these moments of impact that you know, I personally really enjoy in music. So I, I respect the hell out of bands that use that, you know, very appropriately. Mm. There was actually a very funny effect during that show. So the first two bands were Spider Insider, a really cool band. They're kind of like, um, for anybody listening, they're kind of like uh, See You Space Cowboy, that kind of stuff, like almost hardcore leaning metal. And... Um, and then it was you guys. And then it was the Funeral Portrait, who, if you've listened to them before, they're kind of like a slightly heavier My Chemical Romance. Like, they're kind of Senses Fail, um, Hawthorne Heights, that kind of vibe. And then we have Prison. And Prison, like, these people were like, okay, we took it easy for the Funeral Portrait. Now it's time to fuck some shit up. <laughs> and, like... It was really cool, and like they had like a two-song stretch where they played with two basses and no guitar. That's <laughs> awesome. They did, and, and that was just the coolest shit ever. And they're like, "You can't mosh to this; you have to dance to it." And it was just like the craziest shit. And then they're like, "Okay, you can mosh to it now." And then I could like hear people groan and grunt as they fucking beat the shit out of each other to the music. And I'm like, "This is really cool." But would I listen to it in the car? Maybe for a song or two? Probably. But it's the same way with Gideon for me. Like, I can listen to a few Gideon songs, like their top hits in the car, but I can't listen to a full Gideon album just because it's just breakdown after breakdown that gets old. Yeah. I feel that way about Alpha Wolf. I really like seeing Alpha Wolf live. I don't listen to them a lot, like, in the car. Yeah. Mm. But live, they fucking kill. Yeah, actually, at that Alpha Wolf show, I actually got a new appreciation for the band uh, North Lane. Yeah. I always thought they were pretty cool, but I never really listened to them much. But man, they put on a killer show, and I've I've been a massive fan since. Same, same with Kingdom of Giants. I haven't been able to stop listening to Kingdom of Giants. King, Kingdom of Giants is, is top-notch. I don't think that they... They do not get the recognition that they deserve, like, from a monthly Spotify listener point of view. But... Like they're really good, like very good songwriters, very good musicians. Like they write good shit. I really like them. Yeah, I'm not sure if anybody has put out a better album since Passenger, like from front to back. Mm -hmm. Like there's simply good no album. skips on it. Like That's it's really just incredible. Um, really strong album. Yeah, it's it's really. And that's that's the cool thing I really like about shooting these shows is like especially the 152 shows like the one i just did for you guys and woe is me like i get to check out new bands like the funeral portrait i like craziest thing is they have these two big songs one is holy water and two is paper mache man i'm like for paper mache man i feel like i've heard these guys before and then holy water i'm like holy shit these are the guys from fucking octane when i was in high school and now I'm and now I'm shooting them. That's like the craziest shit ever. 
Like, yeah. cause I used, I used to, I used to be a big butt rock dad rock enjoyer. So I listened to Octane <laughs> all the time, but, hey, but I like, butt rock, don't hate on it. It's great. Time. Yeah. It's a pretty good time. Yeah. And like those dudes were just fucking awesome. <laughs> I love them so much, but yeah, it's just cool. Discover new bands and meet new people and just the coolest shit ever. I, I live a pretty cool life, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their vocalist was stupid good live. Like, oh my I, god! I I I stopped by and talked to him just for a second after the show, and I was like, "Man, you didn't have to do me like that." God, you're such a good vocalist. Christ, they were really good. Yeah, and he he did the highs, and then he did like some Louisiana lows to it. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, "Okay, this guy this guy kind of sings in a high register," and then he's singing like "Holy Water," where he's singing like with like with the baton rouge accent like the entire time and it was just the craziest shit i'm like how is this guy doing that yeah they were they were uh he was really good i was very impressed with his with his his vocals they were really good yeah i that was honestly one of the most fun shows ever um rumble do you have any more shows coming up um that i'm attending or that i'm playing both all right. Unfortunately, um, since I don't drive anymore, um, I don't really get to go to shows just for the sake of going to shows as much. Um, so there's no shows I'm just like going to for shits and giggles, at least not right now. Um, but for shows we're playing this Monday, for some reason, uh, someone booked a show on a Monday. We're doing um, Punk Goes Acoustic at uh, Uncle Lou's Entertainment Hall in Orlando. Um, if you've never been, boy, what a hole. I love it so much. <laughs> um, I'm busting out my upright bass for that one, so we're going to get bluegrassy in this bitch. Dude, that's going to um, take up half the room. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of right. Um, so we're doing that, and then the Tuesday, right after that, um, Sincerely yours. Um, or sorry, uh, uh, Monday is with uh, Send and Delete. And um, that's going to be with AKA Harley, uh, who, we ha- who we've had on the podcast. Super cool guy. Uh, AKA Harley and um, Cool Baby Glasses. They're also very cool. Um, and then Tuesday, I've got an Of Men and Manatee show uh, that I'm not prepared for in the slightest. Um, and then I got Sincerely yours that night. And we're playing in Brooksville at Spray Show Winery uh, and Vineyard up in Brooksville. Uh, we're playing there with Cypress Fight Club, who are also very, very cool. Um, and what else we got? Friday, Send and Delete is at The Vault in Holiday with uh, say Oceans and Lot Lizards? Question mark? Are they on that one again? Yeah. Lot Lizards and one other band. Hibiscus. So that one of them. That one should be cool. That that one's uh, actually, um, I believe it's a benefit show for, for The Vault to keep them open. Um, so we're always happy to play those because The Vault has kind of become one of our home bases. Um, and then Saturday, we are in Daytona with Widows and Ardent for a pajama party show in Daytona. And that one should be a lot of fun. And yeah. I think that's what we all we got coming up. You want to know the funniest shit is mm. that some bands, they message me and I'm basically like, 
an agent almost because they're like, hey, we have a show in this city. Who do you think we should book? And I'm like, oh, I'm sure Send Elite would love to go to Daytona. Oh, I'm sure Dunfor would like to play in Tampa. Oh, I'm sure this, I'm sure Cam would like to play at Howe. And then I wait, did you recommend us for that show? Yeah. And then I look at the, and then I look at the posters. I'm like, they actually went with who I told them to book. What the fuck? That's so so I I had no idea you did that. We really appreciate that. Yeah, it's like, I don't know how I have so much sway. And I was going to say, I feel like we should have a Jackson benefit show. Because I have a lot, I have I have a lot of expenses and not a lot of money coming in, bro. So I feel like we should throw a Jackson Buffett show at Ollie's, like, and bro. all the money at the door goes to Jackson. Talking, <laughs> talking about a lot of expenses. I owe the, I owe the government thousands of dollars. <laughs> a lot of expenses. Okay. No, nah, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, I mean, I'm I, not kidding about the government thing. But... Don't 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 so, tell the government that publicly. Hey, they know believe me they're on my ass about it somebody has to buy the gamer girl bath water and it's not gonna be you so it has to be me i guess when you're right you're right jackson god well yeah. we actually we actually have a audience question oh boy and, and this one is from at tyler murin oh, i don't know god. if you've heard of this guy oh what a fucking loser fuck that guy he says is bald beautiful Yes. Yes. Tyler Tyler wishes that he was as sexy as me, and he's very envious about the fact that he can't <laughs> achieve this bald level of sex appeal. He could never pull it off. There's no way. Couldn't do it. I, I really want the fountain of youth that Tyler has, because he looks younger than I do, and he's <laughs> like four years older than me. Dude, and, you're telling me. And like... And, like, I'll talk to, like, people at my job who are, like, a couple years younger than me. And they'll be like, how old do you think I am? They're like, uh, 27 or, like, 30. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm 21 years old. Why are you talking to me like that? Uh, Kyle, I have a question. Yeah. Do you have any inkling on how old I am? Like, have you ever been told or anything like that? I think you're 19. Damn it. We well, said there's that. Said that earlier. See, I was. Listening. Did I say that earlier? You, you, you said you were two years younger than Jackson. So I, 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 I was listening. I, I love asking people how old do you think I am. Yeah. The beard throws the throws people off because you oh, see yeah. that that's Tyler's secret of looking so young is he can't grow facial hair, and so he looks like he's fifteen, and so you can, so it makes you look older. That's that's how you get there. Yeah. Some people yeah. can see through it. Not everyone, but some people can. Yeah, that's the fun part is like I'll I'll grow a beard for a little bit and I can grow a hell of a beard and then I'll shave because I just fucking hate having a beard and then I'll I'll go to like a bar or something and they'll be like, OK, what's your card? Because I actually look young when I'm shaving and I'll be like, <laughs> and I'll just be grumbling the whole time like, damn, should I have shaved my fucking beard? It's a it's a double edged sword. Yeah. But I don't like, feel bad for you, to be honest. I don't feel bad for you at all. I, I started losing my hair at 19. That's why I, I looked like I was 35 when I was 19. <laughs> I, uh, I've i started to gray, if it makes you feel any better. It doesn't. It doesn't make okay. me feel better. Okay. I'm holding on to this for as long as I can. Yeah, hey, you're doing a great job. Keep, keep it Thank up. Thank you. Well, anyways, let's let's talk about the real Kyle. What 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 do you do outside of music and uh, 
and whatever else you do. What 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 do you do? What do I do? What, like, what do you do for like um, work? Like, like, <laughs> what are the hobbies like? Yeah, like 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 work hobbies like when, when you're not playing when you're not playing music. What is your day? When, when you're not playing the bass. When I'm not playing the bass. <laughs> um. So I uh, I work for a large financial institution in my downtime. They are all personally like really thrown by the music stuff. It is always a surprise when they find out. Um, I do a lot of like really Florida stuff, like playing golf or, uh, the rest of my time is pretty much hanging out with, uh, my children, which are four and two. So that's like 90% of my time right there. Fair enough. Yeah. I the the golf for years. If you, <laughs> the, the golf thing reminded me of something. Um, this is so off topic, so bear with me here. Um, Jackson, I know you listen to a little bit of Hot Mulligan, yeah. but Kyle, do you listen to Hot Mulligan? I do not. All right, well, their new album came out a couple okay. days ago, and it's not as good as their last album, but it's still pretty fucking good. Um, and my favorite track on it, it they, they released it as a single. Golf is on. Yeah, Scuff is on. It's so good. It's such a good song. Okay, I'm going to look it up after we leave here. I'll get right. That's like a funny track, because, like, man, you don't have to be quiet because golf is on. Come on, man. Dude, all of their all of their song titles, just to, just to uh, get you in on the hot moly shit, Kyle, all of their song titles are fucking stupid. They're, they're an emo <laughs> band. They're, none of them have anything to do with the actual song, except for one um, that came out on the new album, does actually have something to do with the song. But um, their their biggest song is called uh, "Equip Sunglasses" in asterisks. Um, they they have uh, they have a song on their new album called uh, "Cock Party 2, and then in parentheses, "Better than the first one." <laughs> <laughs> and it's really sad. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up after we leave here. Since I know that Tyler Murren has sent a question, I need to say that he finds everything I say on here very cringe. And probably the fact that I don't know who Hot Mulligan in is, he probably also finds that cringe. So this is just a masterclass into how like bad his life is around me. Ah, uh, okay. See, that's how I feel around Sincerely Yours, because both of those other guys are 28. <laughs> the, the was... only, this is a direct quote by Jordan. The only reason we let you in the band is because you look our age. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most Jordan thing ever. Like, like he's like the most chill dude, and then he'll just like drop drop a bomb on you out of nowhere. Yeah. I, I hate talking about some of the music I listen to around Jordan. Because I love the Front Bottoms. They're my favorite band of all time. And he's like, oh, yeah? Well, when I was 19, I was in the Air Force. And that's when their first <laughs> album came out. Have you ever heard of this EP? It's not even on YouTube, bro. You got to go and like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, this all actually reminds me of a funny story involving a significant member of the Tampa music scene. Because I posted, Chasing Airplanes doesn't even know who Big Time Rush is as a joke. And this guy, a significant member of the Tampa music scene, 
was like, this ain't a good look, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, they're in on it. And they're like, I would delete it. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, are you really that insecure about your age, bro? Like, come on. I I still don't know who Big Time Rush is. <laughs> Dude, the oh, Jonas I... Brothers just released a really good album. I apparently I've heard. Did they really? Yeah. I, I heard from a friend or something. Um, yeah, I, I I heard from someone. Uh, I I wouldn't listen to that. No, I'm fucking. <laughs> Hey, uh, don't ask if you're too good for Jonas Brothers. I've admitted on here that I love Taylor Swift, so we we're all friends here. It's fine. That actually, um, I've been meaning to ask you when when you're not listening to metal, what are yeah. you listening to? Um, when I'm not listening to metal, uh, I like like the midnight like synthwave stuff, but I also like um like really not great like 2009 to 2012 rap. Um, oh, dude, that's like the worst era. It's the best era. <laughs> the best era. Like, you give me some 2009, like Lil Wayne and Rick Ross, and I am just living my best life. Like, <laughs> love that shit. It is great. Um, so, like that stuff. I have a uh, a very interesting uh, uh, country playlist that is kind of a guilty pleasure. But I have oh hell yeah. Um, so. Uh, like the uh, the newest party album is excellent mm. for anybody who likes more country sounding stuff. It's more like country rock, but quick plug for the newest Hardy album. You know what I hate? I really hate the fact that that Morgan Wallen guy turned out to be a racist piece of shit because he has some good bangers. I just don't like people who use the N word in regular yeah. conversation. I, th- I think that's probably a solid stance to have of not liking people who use the N-word. And that's, I think that's pretty solid. You know and, you know what country artist that is happening right now? His songs are super good, and he hasn't been on record saying the N-word? Okay. Who? Noah, Noah Kahn, dude. I think I think his new album just came out. He's the guy that wrote Stick Season, if you've, if you've heard that song. No N-words, so that's, that's even better. And I don't care what anyone says. Stick Season is a pop punk song. He just played it on an acoustic guitar. You're telling me he wrote the lyrics. Um, I saw your mom. She forgot that I existed. <laughs> You're telling me that's not a pop punk song. Hey, I'm gonna tell you. There's some country songs that, like, literally, if you just took away the twang and maybe a little like steel guitar, they could be emo songs. They're emo tunes. There's they're emo tunes. Yeah, if, if you played them on a on a standard guitar with a little bit of gain turned up, they would actually sound like a pop punk song. Yeah, man. But no, See, Noah Khan, fucking banger. The reverse of this is, I think that a day to remember on that out last album that had like a couple of acoustic songs on it. They should have added twang and a little steel guitar and just gone full on like, hey. We're putting a couple of country songs on this album. I think that could have been a good time for everybody. Yeah. Bro, my oldest brother, uh, he turned me on to this playlist called Greener Pastures, and it's just a bunch of country songs about smoking weed, and it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> the The biggest red flag I've encountered during my time on the apps, because I've, I've, I've not been lucky in love, um on the dating apps is right after that contra and I've mentioned this on podcast before, but I think oh, as yeah. well as on solo, like when that controversy with Morgan Wallen came out, 
I never saw his name, never heard of him, but suddenly every girl that wore cowboy hats and in short shorts on her on her Tinder profile had number one Morgan Wallen fan. And if that's not a red flag, I don't know what is a red flag. Like, t- t- <laughs> tell me, t- tell me you, you say the N-word regularly at home without telling me you say the N-word regularly at home. Like I said, I think that's a good, like, so that's a good barometer of, like, will I like being around you or not? Do you use the N-word? Okay, no, okay, probably not. Yeah. Not, not gonna work out. That's, that's so, a pretty uh, strong and people part. get people get really defensive about the right to use the n word. Like, hey, if they say it, why can't I say it? First, usually they don't say it with the hard r at the end of it, and <laughs> yeah. secondly, you know, it's just why why do you have to use it? Like, there's a million other words you can use to describe people or just say in general conversation. Like, the dictionary is pretty damn thick, if I must say so myself. She's a hefty gal. You can use it. <laughs> do, do, do either I'm, of y'all... No, go ahead. I was going to say, I've never heard the dictionary referred to in such a way, but this, is, this has been good. This has been enlightening. <laughs> it's a solid point you made, Jackson. Uh, do either of y'all watch SNL? Uh, I watch all the time. This is oh! Did you just say not these days? You fucking boomer! I know. I'm old as shit, dude. Keenan Thompson is still on it. Is Keenan Thompson still on it? Yeah, for like the thirty-something year. I don't know how long he's on it, but it's a long time. He's been there a bit. Um, I I I watch SNL from time to time. I think it's pretty funny, and um, this is related to the Morgan Wallet thing. I promise. Um, the two guys that do. The uh, weekend update now. Uh, they're uh, they're called their names are Colin Jost and Michael Che. And every now and then they'll write uh, jokes for each other and read them live on air. And neither of them have seen the jokes that they've written for each other. And good. Colin, Colin, the white guy, he he, he kind of aims to just make Michael uncomfortable. And Michael, the black guy, tries to get Colin fired. And it is the <laughs> funniest thing. And um. I don't condone uh, using the N-word at all. I think both of you know that, but from what I'm about to say, I might need to reiterate. The, the One of the funniest jokes I heard on SNL was during the weekend update, and they were doing that bit where they write each other jokes. And Colin, you know, the white guy, was reading one, and he was talking about how when, um, when that came out about Morgan Wallen, his record sales skyrocketed. And then he follows it up, he follows it up with, so if CBS would just let me say it... <laughs> <laughs> or, or NBC or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh. So, like, you know, there's there's some good that can come out of it. Rumble is on record saying there is some good about using the <laughs> N word on record. <laughs> you can make funny jokes out of it. Just don't say the word. Don't say the word. <laughs> don't say the no no word. Bro, everybody, everybody hearing the N sound come out of my mouth right there where I said no, no. Everyone having <laughs> heart palpitations. <laughs> All right. I got, I, I, I don't know when we're going to call this podcast good, but before we do, uh, I have a question. One, one more question for Kyle. Oh, boy. Um, band names are hard. 
And I think Chasing Airplanes is a pretty banger name. Where'd you come up with it? Um, okay, so not to get like psychological about anything, but uh, when I moved to Florida, I took like eight years off from doing music of any kind because I had convinced myself it was like an immature thing to do for some reason. And mm-hmm. so when I decided I did want to keep, I wanted to do music again, I, it was honestly kind of terrifying. It, it truthfully was um, like to put myself out there like that, especially doing it solo. Um, I'm equally afraid of flying. And the way that I've kind of addressed my fear of flying is to look for opportunities where I have to fly. And mm. over time, it's helped me, you know, get over it to some degree. And so I look at it as like chasing that thing that that makes you uncomfortable, chasing the thing that you're afraid of. Um, because ultimately, if you're doing that, that's how you grow and that's how you become a better person. That's how you have new experiences. So that's how that's how I ended up there. It's kind of like a, you chasing talking to women. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that's a solid backstory. Do you want to hear the backstory um, for how I believe it was Jonas and Mikey came up with send and delete? Oh, lay it on me. I'm expecting big things. They were sitting in a room, I think Mikey's bedroom, and just saying random phrases. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they landed on eventually. Before. Hey. I, you can, it's not too late to invent a new story. Just, like, come up with a new one. Just, like, really... And just come up with a new reason. There's nothing cool about sending the lead. There, you can't spin that in a cool way. That's a bad, no, bad Actually, name. like, it's kind of like when you send someone an unsolicited dick pic and then you unsend when they don't like it. Send in the lead. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> I'm, no. sure there's, I'm sure there's some story that you can come up with about, you know, regret or something of... Like sending the message that puts yourself out there, you know, to get the girl, but then you delete it before they can read it because you're nervous or something. You could really, you could spin this. That's pretty emo. It is. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why I actually Everybody thought that was about. I'm like, that obviously means like deleting a message or whatever. The, but, I mean, that is what it is. Yeah, but I think the coolest thing about our name is the acronym is sad. Yeah. <laughs> um. But also, anyways, uh, Santa has an audience oh question. Boy. Let's hear it. To stick with the branding theme, what was it like designing slash committing to your current logo? Oh, that for me? Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't design it at all. Um, so our first, uh, our EP Gnosis was produced by the drummer for the band If I Were You um, up in New York. His sister, Carissa, runs Carissa Pascarella um, Graphics and is a graphic designer. And honestly, she came up with it. And I was just like, cool. Nice. Yeah, it looks pretty sick. Yeah, I really Um, really dig the the banners you had at the last show. That's pretty sick. Yeah. We're very excited. On the topic of bad band names. Um, would you guys, I don't know if I've ever, if I've ever told Jackson this, um, would you guys like to hear the, this, I, I joined the band when it was sent in Lee. I was the last person to join this band. Would you like to hear the band names that cycled through before I joined the band? God. Okay, lay, lay it on us. The band started, I believe, as Leaf 7. 
leaf sap. Don't know what that means. I guess it just like had a ring to it. And so they were like, okay. And they were leaf seven for a little while. Um, and then they were, you got it, dude. Which I think is a good band name, not for our band. Uh, maybe for some other genre, like a fucking, I don't know, a ska band or something like that. Uh, but definitely not us. And then we landed, or they landed on Send and Delete. And then I joined the band. And then for two weeks or something like that, Egan was insistent on the name Plastic Avalanche. Plastic Avalanche. Wow. And I don't... I, <laughs> here's the backstory. Egan's sister opened the cupboard, a bunch of Tupperware fell out, and she said, man, it's like a plastic avalanche. That's the backstory. I mean, it's and honestly e- not terrible. Egan still swears by it. She's sitting right here. Still swears by it. So Dude, we, it's, it's, it's a good name. It's, it's not bad. Name. It's not bad. It's better um, than Send and Delete. It's better than Send and Delete. But people know it's a Send and Delete now. But well, then if you why, go to, why doesn't you she go, go to by Spotify, what's up? Why doesn't she go by Plastic Avalanche instead of Lemon Tunes then? Because Lemon Tunes is badass. Anyways, um, uh, Jackson asked, why don't you go by Plastic Avalanche or solo stuff instead of Lemon Tunes? You can like lemons. Um, <laughs> could be an album name, Plastic Avalanche. If you go to our Spotify and you scroll down, because obviously we don't have a record label, we put everything under Plastic Avalanche Records. <laughs> same oh, same with cute. the Lemon Tunes solo one. And and when Up Men and Manatees comes out on Spotify, it will be under Plastic Avalanche Records. Oh, that's cute. So so we're keeping it alive. I I still think it could be a good album name. Like if you want, it could be a good album name. We're we're going pretty back and forth on what the next album is going to be called, but we got a lot of time to figure it out. I really like that meme about emo song tiles where it's like, maybe the jet ski investment wasn't such a great <laughs> idea. Yeah. Circling back to Hot Mulligan. <laughs> like, damn, I, I really love The Office. You seem like somebody who would watch The Office. Did you watch The Office, Kyle? Oh, of course he did. Look at him. <laughs> Look. <laughs> religiously, Jackson, religiously. Yeah. Um, okay. I, so here's a question for every every office fan I encounter. Have you seen anything else done by Michael Sher? Michael Sher, i.e. Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place. Oh, um, so I have seen both Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And of the Michael Sher, pro- first of all, watch The Good Place. And of the Michael Sher project, is The Office your favorite? Okay, so that's a complicated question because the first oh, four seasons of The Office are better than any four-season stretch of Brooklyn Nine-Nine or um, Parks and Rec. But start to finish, Parks and Rec is the superior series. Okay, good. In in my opinion, I've seen The Office so much that it's kind of gotten stale, uh, but I do still like it. In my opinion, Parks and Rec is the best one, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine is like my comfort show, so I do find myself watching that a lot. So 30 Rock is my comfort show. 30 Rock, I've never actually watched it, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. It's, it, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's, it's very entertaining. Another I, show I feel like I need to watch is um, How I Met Your Mother. It's really good. That. I've not watched I, that. I think when it comes to, like, The Office and Parks and Rec both had growing pains where they didn't really know what they were doing the first one or two seasons. Like the oh, yeah. office picked up really quickly in season two, but 
Parks and Rec didn't really get good until um, <laughs> until Ben and the other guy got there. And uh, the other the guy. Other the other guy. You mean Chris Traeger? Yeah. How yes. did you forget him? Ben, when Ben but, and Chris, I mean, white guy names, you know, they they all blend in. But, but, but Park and Rec stuck the landing. They stuck the landing. They very much did. Landing. But and that, that's rare. That rarely happens. Also, one of the best finales I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah, it was very but good finale. The point I was making is I don't think Brooklyn Nine-Nine had those growing pains. Like, I felt like they knew what they were going to do from the first episode. I think oh, yeah. they, I think some characters weren't the same from the pilot, which is normal, but, um, like, background characters or whatever. But, like, from first season onwards, it's all very continuous. And I feel like they were very culturally aware towards the end. Like... The fact that all the stuff that has come out politically yeah. about police officers, I felt like they they didn't try to whitewash it or whatever. Like it was very culturally aware, which I appreciate. They yeah, they did that very well. But I almost feel like they leaned into that too much in the last season to the point where it was less about comedy and more about, you know, shining a light on those issues, which fantastic. Great. I'm glad that they took that risk. And I think it, I think they did well but I feel like it was a bit too much. Like, yeah, those are things that need to be addressed, but also I'm here to giggle when Jake Peralta does something stupid and Captain Holt's like, Jake, um, or whatever. I can't do this once. <laughs> I love Captain Holt. Oh, yeah, he, dude. Gay icon. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, Brooklyn Nine-Nine did do a good job at addressing those things very appropriately. Yeah. Hey, well, anyways, so Kyle, we like to wrap up with, um, what's your best sales pitch for somebody to check out Chasing Airplanes? My best sales pitch for someone to ch- check out Chasing Airplanes um, is really if you like things that go chug-a-chug-chug-chug, but then sets that are all like, ah, and then some choruses in between there, then you will like Chasing Airplanes. I think that's the best pitch we've heard on the podcast. Ah, that was straight to the point. That was beautiful. No, no fluff. And I and I almost forgot to mention you have this little uh, four day run you're going on with the astonishing end. Can you kind of talk about what's going on with that? Yeah, um, we're gonna be in Cape Coral at Nice Guys Pizza, Sanford at West End Trading Co. Uh, Hoochin Hive in Tampa, and then Propaganda down in Lake Worth on June 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th, respectively. Um, There's different bands on each of those. Um, Us and Astonishing End are on all of them. Fatal Frames is on all of them except the one in Sanford. And then in Cape Coral, Mommy's Little Monsters on that one. Uh, Royal Hearts is on the one in Tampa. Counterattack and Canvas are on the one in Sanford. Or in yeah, the one in Sanford and the one in Lake Worth, Vitalis is on. I think I hit all of those. I'm actually kind of proud of myself for remembering all that. Speaking yeah. of propaganda, Rumble, I like to take a propaganda at those toes. Yeah, this is one of the only <laughs> This is one of the only podcasts where you never see my feet at any point. <laughs> I always it's become such a brand for me that I just always have the dogs out, dude. Like I, I I'm barefoot on stage all the time. And anytime we're in the studio, I'm fucking I'm barefoot. I'm barefoot as often as I can be. I love it. 
I don't I don't have a good reason I for don't. it. Live your best life. 